Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Let's move on. If you could stand this morning, I'd like to have you turn to church. We're going to have church actually two today. Is that all right? Okay. You're all dismissed. No. Um, let's go ahead and have some church. And uh, let's get into the Word of God. Let's turn to John chapter 8. I'd like you to turn to John 8 and 28. In our world today, there is something that is under attack. There is something that is, has being, uh, is being assaulted on a regular basis. There is something that is constantly trying to be broken down, uh, being attacked by the enemy. And this has been going on for centuries. It's been going on since the beginning of time. But there is something that has been continuously under the attack of the enemy. And, uh, and we have to defend it. It's something we're called in the word of God to defend and stand for. I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking simply about one thing. I'm talking about truth. Truth in our world today, true truth is under attack. It's being assailed. And as I address the young people today that are involved in graduation, getting ready to make the next step, moving on into their lives, whether it be college or trade school or some other thing, uh, I want to speak to the young people today, but I want to speak to our church today. I want to talk about truth and our role in understanding what truth is what it stands for in the word of God and our role in defending it. And I know that I'm looking across a group of awesome people in this church who have seen things that are happening in our world today and know that some of the things that we're being fed, some of the things that come through our mass media and social media and other sources uh, sometimes is a twisting or a changing of the truth. It's a half-truth. It's a partial truth. Things are being done now in almost total propaganda format to form opinions and to form ideas. We always have to seek truth and know the truth so that we can move forward, and I'm gonna explain that today. My encouragement to the young people today is you have to know what truth is, and when you know it, you stand on it, you hold tightly to it, and you do not let go of it. John chapter eight and 28 says this, it said, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. Jesus is making a very profound statement uh, in, in John chapter 8 and 28. The Jews that He was preaching to, He knew, they knew from Moses' law and from the book, they knew who I am was. He was making a very profound statement of truth, that He was God manifest in the flesh. This is a striking statement that He's making to these people. They recognize that phrase, I am. He says, I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. They were hearing pure truth. The words of Jesus Christ are pure and total and complete truth. If anything he said was a partial truth, a subjugated truth, uh, not all of it, hidden truth, that would make him a liar. We know who the liar is. We know the enemy is a liar and the father of all of them. He was speaking pure truth. It said many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. In verse 32, a verse we know very well, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You can be seated this morning. 
If you continue in my word, what does it mean to continue in my word? It means that everything about the word of God, he is the word. Uh, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. He is truth. Continuing in his word, that holy Bible that we carry around, his testament. It's called a New Testament and an Old Testament. What's a testament? It's a declaration of my word my will, my direction for you. If we continue in his word, that word, it will make us free. Well, what do you mean, pastor? I'm free already. I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna go do what I want. I've got a job. I'm telling you that there's bondage that's in the world today and it's being defined by false truth. With with lies, with incorrect information, we are brought into bondage. Bondage up here primarily. You see, the enemy operates between these two ears right here. His playground is our mind. And so the more that can be pumped into our heads from every other source, challenging our truths, challenging what we know to be true, the more in bondage we can tie ourselves up in. God wants us to be free. If you go to Ephesians chapter 6 very well, that's related to my little friend right here. This, this right here is a little statue I got at a men's retreat not too long ago. Uh, it was actually another Christian group was there. And, and uh, I walked up there and I said, man, I'd like to buy one of those. I want to put that on my desk. And every morning when I come into my office, I want to be recognized. I want to re- be reminded of the armor of God. That's what that is. That is a representation of the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, brethren... My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Young people, church, family, understand that every step that you take from the moment you rise in the morning, when you become conscious in the morning, your eyes open up, the enemy is there. He's ready to begin working his wiles on you. He wants you to trip and fall through the day. He wants to capture your time. He wants to teach you untruths. The enemy is always there, always present, never vacationing, never taking any time off, doesn't skip church, doesn't skip what the duties are. The wiles of the devil are always going to be present in your life. The whole armor of God is designed to help you defend against the wiles of the enemy. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you all know it well, but against principalities. What is that? That's, that's spiritual uh, uh, strongholds, leaders, very powerful spirits in the world. If you look across our world today, there are law-abiding citizens, perfectly good people, two, three weeks ago, would have never thought of breaking a window, never, never thought of hurting somebody, never thought of lighting something on fire, but there's bad things that are happening in our world that's driving uh, these, th- this rage and this anger You can say it's justified. You can say it's righteous. But there there are things, there are laws that are being broken. People are being hurt. There are citizens of our nation that are dead today because of spirits that have got a hold of people, wiles of the devil getting into the minds of people, certain activists, certain people that took something that was going to be a good representation or a positive thing that needed to see change happen in our world and turned it into something perverted. A spirit took hold, a principality, if you will. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. 
It says you have to do all to stand. You can't take bits and pieces of it. You can't do what's comfortable for you and leave the tough things out. You've got to do all that it is to stand or you will fall. You will fall. You will begin to justify things in your mind. You will do what the world calls creating your truth. Have you heard that phrase lately? This is my truth. I have my own truth. Okay, that's a lie from a principality. It's a lie from a place of wickedness. We do not have our own truth. There is the truth. Can we all agree together that it's wrong to kill somebody innocently? Is that a truth? Can we stand on that truth? Anybody. Very good. And we've got to get a hold of these truths. Now, not all of them are as easy as thou shalt not kill. Well, there's people in the army. They, they go off and they're told to kill. Now, we know that's a, that's a completely different scenario. That's, that's a different understanding of the rule and the law. Okay? And people can do that. And then they can start to, well, hey, wait a minute now. There's this kill. There's that. And they can justify. But we understand what that word means, to take innocent life. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Remember, I want to talk to you today about truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What are the fiery darts of the wicked? Those attacks, those things that are shot at your mind, emotional reactions, responses, the things that you see, the flesh that jumps out. I just preached about it the other day. The flesh always runs to the front of the line, right? Our intellect, our spirit, our Holy Ghost, it'll pass them all up and want to respond first. You got to hold, young people. You've got to hold yourself because you got to know that your flesh will respond to things first. It will react first. If something happens to you and a word comes to your mouth, you better hold it. You better hang on to it because it's the flesh that's reacting first. Always pushes its way to the front of the line. That's a spirit. That's a place of wickedness. We're always going to carry that with us as long as we're alive and we're human beings. We'll always fight that battle. But we've got to be really good at, we've got to get very good at, is taking that flesh spirit that's within us and suppressing that thing and allowing our Holy Ghost to shine. What is the Holy Ghost? It's the word in us. It is Jesus Christ dwelling within inside us. It's a power greater than anything this planet knows, and it's hiding right inside us every single day. But it has the power to save you from these wiles, from these darts that come at you. In the book of Matthew... The Holy Ghost is likened to oil filling lamps for the ten virgins. It's a clear indication that our oil can run out. We can burn it all up. You drift away from church a little little too long time, missed a few uh, services and and, and get a little wrapped up in sports and other activities, go off to college and say, well, you know, I don't really need to go there that much. I I, I don't have to be the church that much. I, I, I know God. But that oil can deplete. And as the word says, those virgins had no oil left in their lamps. They couldn't light the way to find the master. They couldn't get to the master's house. That Holy Ghost needs to be rebuilt and regenerated and reverberated and, and all of those rewords. We were here on Monday night last week. Anybody here in the room that was here Monday night? We had extreme, very powerful, passionate Holy Ghost prayer. We had a time of prayer that I believe went for approximately 35 minutes where we prayed solidly in the spirit for all of the things that are happening in our world today. The people that are hurting today, protecting the church, protecting the people, the COVID virus. I'm telling you, the earth was shaking in the enemy's land. We were shaking the foundation 
Because we were praying in the spirit, we were filling those lamps with oil. This is an activity that we have to continue to participate in. We've got to fill the lamps with oil. Verse 16 says, again, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This process, this shield of faith, how do you build your faith? How do you, how do you prepare that shield? You stay with your church. You stay continuing to seek God. You stay in prayer. Stay in your word. It builds your faith. Hear the testimony of people around you. Hear the testimony of adults around you that have had victory over the things that the enemy's trying to do. Build your strength and build your faith. The further you drift away, the less you hear. Your faith starts to become invested in what you're seeing on your TV screens, what you're hearing from Capitol Hill, what you're hearing from your favorite senator or congressperson or president. That's not the way we're supposed to build our faith, folks. If your faith is in what happens on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., you are serving the wrong God. Finally, verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now I want to focus on the belt of truth. It says your loins girt about with truth, why it's so important. The first piece of armor, Paul discusses the belt of truth in Ephesians 6 and 14. I just read, you're probably wondering, why would Paul start with the belt? Uh, However, it plays a lot more important role than just holding up the skirts and holding up the clothing. The belt tightens everything, pulls it all together. It allows the soldier to be mobile. It allows the soldier's equipment to stay closely tight to his body. The the belt holds the sword, the sword of the spirit, extremely powerful. You will not make it through this life. And I, I want you to hear me on this. This is for every soul in the building. You will not make it through this life if you do not have the sword of the spirit in your sheath. If you are not studying the word of God, if you do not know the truth, then you don't know the word and then you don't know Jesus Christ that's a fact that is truth I'm not pronouncing destruction or doom on anybody I'm telling you today if you don't know the word you're not going to make it man does not live by bread alone so that belt you can see it on my little guy here if you check it out later That belt pulled everything all together, got it all tight there. He could be mobile, he could move. He didn't want all all that gear and the skirts and the girding and all that. You want that clacking around and flying all over the place and being loose. Things would fall off, things would fall down. Sword couldn't be held. That belt of truth was tight. You ever hear the phrase, hold true? You hear the phrase, a true knot? Okay, tight, firm, solid, not going anywhere. Hold on to that truth. Sword of the Spirit is in the sheath. Tightening the belt draws it close to your body. You should be so close to the Word of God. Learning it. Memorizing it. Getting into it. Find your favorite verses. Find your favorite books. Find your favorite entries. Find your favorite characters of the Bible. Get into Bible studies. Teach Bible studies. Make the Word of Truth your life. It should be the center of everything that we do, should it not? If it is the testament of Jesus Christ, we call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, then the word clearly needs to be at the very center of everything that we do. Drifting away from the word, letting it sit on the shelf and collect dust will spell a person's doom. I'm not trying to scare the young people moving into life. I'm trying to encourage you because some of you are holding it in your hands right now. Some of you know that the word of God is right there. At the moment, it's still legal to own the word of God. You know that our society, a truth that our society is telling, that the word of God is hate speech. 
There are scriptures in the word of God that are inconvenient to the modern culture and what they're teaching out there. Now, remember that the word of God is not meant to be a club. It is a sword piercing and dividing asunder of soul and spirit, even to the marrow. Does that mean we go hacking and slashing with the word of God? Do we take it like a club and beat people over the head with it? No, you share it. You deliver it. You share that truth. You have to know the word. You have to know truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture, this is uh, ESV, all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. If our beliefs are not rooted in God's word, we cannot expect to fight battles for Christ. Simple as that. If your scripture, if your if your scripture is coming from from your college professor, if your scripture is coming out of a textbook, or your scripture is coming out of your TV, in other words, if your word, the word that you're devouring every day, the word that you're putting into your life is based on something in this world, you have a sword that's made out of wood, that's made out of nothing, and will not stand in the battle. You have to understand that's not truth. There is one truth. Just as the belt is worn close to the body, we should hold God's truth close to us and allow it to surround us. When we remain in his word, we can distinguish what is true from what is untrue. It is such a critical skill. As you are listening, now I know I got a lot of great adults in the room that are very, very attuned to the word of God and they hear things coming from this media and they hear stuff and it strikes you in the side of the head. You just know it's not true, don't you? See, these, these mature adult Christians who've been studying the word of God their whole lives that have been at these services and have ministered the word themselves, they have learned to distinguish the difference between truth and untruth and all the little mess in between. Young people, that's what you gotta get good at. You gotta be expert at it. You gotta be able to discern when something is said to you, is that truth? Can I put that up against the word of God and have it remain true or is it something man has created to make a convenience for themselves? Untruth will be your undoing if you don't know how to discern truth. John 14 and 6, Jesus said it to him. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know what it means to come to the Father? It means getting to heaven. It means getting to the goal. You're not going there if you don't acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the way. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to show you the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm going to let you know some of the truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I'm going to reveal life to you. He said, I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The great author J.C. Ryle put it this way. He said, never let us be guilty of sacrificing any portion of truth on the altar of peace. If you're sacrificing your truth because you don't want to have a scuffle with somebody, you you want to have peace, you want to avoid the conflict, you are sacrificing truth for your own good. That is a shaky ground to stand on. And you get into the habit of doing that and you'll keep doing it. And you'll continue to do it. I've watched people I know. I've watched Christians I know. Christians of our faith, other faiths, other other denominations. Back down and back down and back down for the sake of keeping the peace. Sacrificing truth on the altar of lack of, uh, excuse me, conflict. 1 Timothy 3 and 15, the house of, simply says the house of God, which is the church of the living God, is the pillar and the ground of truth. Do not sacrifice attending to your services, hearing the voice of your shepherd, hearing the word of truth 
from week to week. It is the pillar and it is the ground of the truth. Why is that significant? In the times that this was written, in the times of Roman construction and Greek construction, pillars were the place that things were hung on. It was very common if they had to declare something in the community, a new law, a decree of the governor, a decree of the king, they went to a pillar, they found some place in the community that was a pillar, and they hung that thing on there for the whole community to read. It was like having a written town crier. God is saying, Jesus is saying, excuse me, Paul is saying in 1 Timothy, the church is the pillar of the truth. It's also the ground and the foundation of it. between the two points makes a whole truth. This is the foundation of truth. I can honestly say I've never stood up here if I've ever shared opinion about something that was happening in the word of God. I declared that it was my opinion and let you make up your mind for yourselves. But when I declare the truth, it's coming out of the word of God. Right now, the word of God is being divided and, and, and conveniently contorted into little compartments throughout Christianity in this nation and around the world. We cannot do that. So, pastor, what is truth? I'll tell you. Some people want to give up on the hunt for truth altogether. But can we really get by without it? Philosopher Roger Scruton has argued all discourse and dialogue depend on the concept of truth. In other words, everything we talk about depends on the concept of truth. To agree with another is to accept the truth of what he says. To disagree is to reject it. You come at me with something and you say you disagree, well then you've rejected uh, what I'm saying. You're saying whether it's truth or not, I reject it. In other words, we can't even talk to each other without uh, the notion of truth. To say that I'm lying is to presuppose there is truth to be told. To say that I'm wrong or even mistaken assumes the existence of a truth from which my statement departs. Very powerful. Our dialogue, our intellect, our conversation back and forth entails the sharing of truths. Rejecting those things potentially is rejecting the sharing of truth. What the Bible says about the question, what of truth? True truth, as Christian apologist Francis Schaeffer put it, this truth is grounded in the very character and being of God. And knowing the truth brings wholeness, it brings healing, it brings freedom, it brings life, and it brings joy. There is nothing more powerful and exciting and joyful to know that I have dove into truth and I'm wrapping my arms around it and I know exactly what God is saying to us. Let's take a look at what truth is defined at today in our, in our world very quickly. Truth is disputed territory. It always has been. To claim to know the truth is to claim to know what everyone everywhere should think. To call an answer, this is the way the world looks at this. In other words, think about it, think about it coming from a pastor sharing truth. To claim to know the truth is to claim to know what everyone everywhere should think. This is how they feel. To call an answer to a question true is to imply that at least some other answers are false. And this always gets personal sooner or later. If you're right, then someone somewhere is wrong. It's no wonder tempers flare over competing takes on truth. Look what's happening in the world today. Tempers flaring back and forth, political factions fighting one another, ripping each other apart over what is truth. You know, the West suffers from what you might call truth fatigue. Eternal history of battles over truth. Everyone's got an opinion on truth. For some people, this basically means that in the end, truth doesn't really matter. What does it matter whether we we can or can't know what's really out there about God? As long as what we do makes you happy, 
uh, and leave the others to do the same, what does truth matter? Your truth is your truth, my truth is mine. Let's all just be happy. You ever hear that phrase? There's going to be a whole lot of folks that just aren't going to be very happy when the time of reckoning comes where we have to profess the truth. Truth is what you make it. It's another great phrase I've heard. We all construct our own truths, and the, and the word truth itself is only a placeholder. The truth is just a word we use to describe the language game that we're going to play with when we walk around the world. It's determined by society we inhabit. Truth or reality is simply a social construct, a shared imaginative enterprise that enables us to live together peaceably. Oh, we don't want to share each other's real truths because that might cause conflict. And of course, now everybody, everybody is adverse to conflict, right? We're afraid to have those conflicts because it's easier to have peace. People tend to treat the truth like private property. I have my own truth. You have your own truth. The only universal truth is that we all have our own. How about science? Anybody hear anything lately about science? This one cracks me up. Go to the science, you dummy. It's about the science. Oh, you crazy Christians. Just look at the science. The only problem is that science keeps tossing their facts back and forth like a ping pong ball. Mask or no masks. Surface contact, no surface contact. Asymptomatic transfer, not asymptomatic. I mean, back and forth and back and forth. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. It's a failure. Hydroxychloroquine works again. Back and forth and back and forth. Even science, the essence of truth, of observation of what goes on in our universe, doesn't have a full truth. There are people that are dying in hospitals right now. That is a truth. They have a disease from something called COVID-19. And it does certain things to the body. There are things that they know about this. Everything else has been prognostication. Unpeer-reviewed observation. But that's truth if it comes out of your CNN broadcast. We can scale mountains, fly around the world. We can map distant corners of the cosmos. We can clone animals, cure diseases, build microscopic robots. We can send information anywhere, anytime. Science clearly works. Why wouldn't we trust it to give us the truth? Science works by testing hypotheses, ruthlessly subjecting them to repeatable, observable tests, and eliminating explanations that can't bear the weight of cold, hard data. People view it as the key to all knowledge. Religious claims like Jesus is God are meaningless because no experiment can tell us whether they are true or false. I have heard that from people, speak that. I was even told, oh, you talked to Jesus? Yeah, I had imaginary friends when I was a kid too. If science can't prove it, then it doesn't exist. How about that for a truth? And finally, truth is looked at as a tyranny that should be resisted. And this is very insipid. And for young people, especially for those about to enter secular colleges, beware of this attitude that truth is tyranny and should be resisted. We cannot hold hard, solid truths. You're going to offend somebody. You're going to hurt somebody. You're going to cause a lack of peace. Truth can't be used. You've got to go easy on that. Listen to this. Finally, many people think that truth is tyranny that should be resisted. They see all truth claims as power grabs. Where you have someone who says they know the truth, there you have someone trying to dominate. So if you come out and you say, I know the truth about God, I want to share that truth. Well, you're trying to dominate me. You're trying to enforce your values on me. Oh, no, no, no. They're not my values. 
They're the values of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're trying to exploit them or oppress other people under the pretext of bringing them in line with your truth. That's your truth coming out of the Bible. As Friedrich Nietzsche famously put it, there are no facts, only interpretations. And if that's the case, that the only way one interpretation will ultimately defeat another is by holding a gun to its head. As such, truth is an instrument of violent coercion or even torture. Friedrich Nietzsche, yeah. That's an attitude that's being taught in the philosophy classes of universities and colleges around this nation. It's coming through our media. It's coming from our college-educated teachers who are entering our grade schools. Therefore, it is our duty to resist all claims to truth by subverting them, exposing their hidden motives, and subjecting them to radical critique. If there are no criteria by which agreement about the truth can be peaceably negotiated, then communication is war, and truth is the heavy artillery. Now I'm going to talk about the truth according to the Bible, the one that we need to know. What does the Bible say about truth? It might be a surprise to you that the question, what is truth, is itself found in the pages of Scripture. When standing trial before the Roman governor Pilate, Jesus said to Pilate, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me, Jesus said. Pilate responded by asking him, what is truth? Truth is a person. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I mentioned it earlier, John chapter one and one, all the way down to 14. And Jesus, the truth took on human nature. Jesus is far more than just a truthful person. He is truth incarnate. He is truth in the flesh. He came to be the truth for this world. So Jesus is the truth in human form because he's God in human form. Now, why is all of this so critically important? Well, pastor, I'm going off to school. I gotta learn a trade. I gotta learn my job. I gotta learn about the world. Well, here's part of the reason. This life is a vapor. Do you know what that means? That means this little bit of time that we have in this world, 70, 80, 90 years, maybe 100 if you're lucky or unlucky, depending how you look at it, is a vapor compared to eternity, young people. What is eternal? Struggles going on in our world right now. Racial problems and things with people that have hate and, 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 and the evil that's got into the world and the spirits that torn everything up. It's It's important. But in eternity, it's a lot longer than the conflict that we're going to live with here. And there is one universal truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we cannot get wrapped up in our journey through this world. We do not belong here. This is not our home, and it is not our destination. And we cannot get wrapped up in all of this mess that is surrounding us. Our mission is to be mission, uh, missionaries of peace in the world. And I've said it multiple times now in the last couple of weeks. We've got to be missionaries of peace and truth to this world as it's tearing itself apart. Because there's a whole lot of great people out there who are wrapped up in all of this stuff that need to know Jesus Christ. And some of them, some of them are going to accept him if they're given the opportunity, if they're given the chance. God himself, I'm wrapping up and I'm closing. God himself spoke the scriptures. God worked through the human authors of scripture in such a way that they freely wrote precisely what God intended them to do. Scripture was given by God. But how is it possible? Through the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, the word says. I believe most of our young people Young people in the house, how many are filled with the Holy Ghost? Look at that. You see that? 
all those young people, full of the Holy Ghost. To some, truth is subjective, the individual world of preference and opinion. Others believe truth is a collective judgment. Just gotta, at the moment, truth is this, maybe tomorrow it'll be a little bit different. The product of cultural consensus and still others flatly deny the concept of truth altogether. There are people, it is being taught in our society. There is no such thing as truth. It's all about conceptual construct. It's about what's going on today. What is being presented to me this moment that you can make a judgment call on? I'm gonna tell you whether you're, you're five years old or 150 years old, you do not have the ability or the right or the clear, clear runway to decide what truth is against God's word. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and the being of God. Truth is the self-expression of God. Where do we find all that out? We experience it in his word. We seek it in prayer. We bathe in it in worship. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's how you know truth. That's how you get familiar with what truth is. And so when you're traveling through life's journeys and you're making your decisions and you're going to your school and you're meeting new people of different cultures and backgrounds and things are coming at you that are unfamiliar to you, and they will, you're going to have the ability to discern what is truth. Is this right for me? Is this good according to the will of God? Is this proper for me to engage in? It's an armor for you. It is the armor of God to know truth. Truth is also, and you can look this word up, it's called ontological. It's simply, it's a fancy way of saying uh, it's just the way things are. Reality is what it is because God declared it so and made it so. Reality is just reality. God is the author, the source, the determiner, the governor, the arbiter, the ultimate standard, and the final judge of all truth. Period. End of story. We can be that definitive. I realize what I'm saying in today's world is radical compared to what's being taught out there and what's been, what's been pervaded in this society for decades. There is rock-solid, permanent, one understandable, undividable truth. The Old Testament refers to the Almighty as the God of truth. You can see it in Deuteronomy 32 and 4, Psalm 31 and 5, Isaiah 65 and 16. When Jesus said of himself, I am the truth in 14.6, and John, when I mentioned it earlier, he was making a profound claim of his own deity. Again, I mentioned that earlier. They knew what he was saying. When he said, I am, they know those words. He was declaring himself God. Jesus also said that the written word of God is truth. Of course, there cannot be any discord or difference of opinion between the written word of God and the incarnate word of God, can there? A man and his word are not separated. You can't say, I'll give you my word, and then go and be something completely different. It makes you a liar, doesn't it? The one and the same. You can stand with me this morning. Colossians 3 and 16 calls scripture the word of Christ. It is his message, his self-expression. In other words, the truth of Christ and the truth of the Bible are, are basically the very same character. They are in perfect agreement in every respect. Both are equally true. God has revealed himself to humanity through scripture and through his son. Both perfectly embody the essence of what truth is. 
In other words, that Bible, that beautiful little leather-bound black Bible that you're carrying around with you every day, you're literally carrying around with you Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Do you realize that's how critically important it is that you rightly divide that word, that you open it up, you absorb it? The Bible itself says that you should eat the word, that you should devour it. You're literally carrying with you every day Jesus Christ. That's a sword that's hanging on that belt of truth. Carry Jesus with you, young people. Be ready to draw that sword out, not as an attack, not as a weapon to hurt someone, but as a defense against things that are gonna try to define your truth, take away your truth from you. And they will, whether you go into a job, whether you go into a university, whether you go into a trade school, the enemy is there, and he will begin to try to dismantle your truth. He will, the truth that you know. He will try to take it away from you. He will try to redefine who you are. Oh, you're one of them little Christian kids that came from the Christian school? You guys don't understand science. You don't know anything about the real world. You don't even understand economics, etc., etc. Let me reveal to you the truth is what they're gonna say. And I'm telling you this morning, the truth is found in the word of God. All right. I'm going to turn the service over. I hope that wasn't too heavy. I said the word truth about 86,000 times. The principles of the word of God are immutable. They cannot be redefined. And I want you to take it with you today. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.